Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us one more time so that we would feed off from you who are the bread of life. Your son Jesus taught the Jewish people and said, Moses did not really give you the bread from heaven, for I give you the true bread from heaven. We come to feed on your word, which is heavenly bread. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We invite your Holy Spirit to explain the scriptures to us. And may our hearts be refreshed with the promises of your word that would allow us not to stagger because we fix our eyes on Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. If there is background noise where you are, please mute it. I'm hearing some uh, noises behind. And I will reiterate what MSUG said. Let's try and make it as close as possible to an actual physical church building. I don't think it is right that people would choose the easiest way to attend the service. The easiest way to attend the service is like you are lying down in your couch. God knows what you are chewing. You are chewing popcorn. And, uh, you know, I mean, you have one leg on the couch and one leg over here. And, and for that reason, you don't want to come on camera. Look, this is a church. And the gathering is not unto a man. The gathering is unto the Lord. We gather to acknowledge God and to receive um, a refuel for our lives. So I'm, I'm hitting it and I'm emphasizing it because I think folks are getting too comfortable with no camera, this no camera appearance. And that's say not it, right. Say it, say it, that's Brad. not right say and that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And that's not right. Either. That's not right. Amen. So, I mean, if you're at work or you're in a compromised situation, um, you know, um, uh, it's understood. I mean, if you're going to use the restroom, my advice is that turn it off before you get to the restroom. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, a television person has gotten himself in trouble. I don't want to mention any names. What a shock. A certain television person has got himself in trouble for this, uh, having his Zoom camera on at the wrong time. But I can bet you, majority of us are not in any uncompromised situation. It's just... We just want to choose the shortest cut, yeah. the shortest, easiest way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you may say, well, well this is not is all the way we are hearing. Look, little things do matter. I beg you. Little things do matter. Amen. Amen. So today we are going to try and complete the series that we started. Faith is to stagger not. And right. so we go back to the foundation scripture, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. Uh, we will actually take it from verse 7, from 19, from 19 to 21. Romans uh, 4, 19 to 21. Beautiful. All right. Let's see. 
MS, do you have it? Yes. Okay. Romans chapter 4, from verse 19, faith is to stagger not. It says, and not being weak in faith, <clears throat> he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the, we talked a lot about Abraham's own journey of faith. You know, Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised and um, he was hundred, about 100 when, when Isaac was born. So um, one of the things that we have not focused on so much is that we have not focused on the promises. Because when it says he's talking not at the promise of God, we've been, we've been talking a lot about how to avoid staggering. And how to avoid staggering is, is that to, to avoid unbelief, to, to, to fix your eyes on Jesus, to develop faith. But then, but then there must be something that you are staggering at. Hallelujah. There must be a reason why, or there must be something that, first of all, I believe it's a three-sequence thing. First, you find yourself in a problem or in some type of situation. And as a believer, the way unbelievers go about solving their problems is different from the way you as a believer go about solving your problem. And so you, you want to follow the Christ-like way. And you, you feel that, okay, if I follow the Christ-like way, this is the promise of God. This is the promise. This is what God has promised. But then somehow, some of the promises are so wild, so fantastic, so out of this world, literally, mm. that when you read the scriptures, it is unreal. It doesn't sound like, it's like, as they say, a pie in the sky. And so you cannot bring yourself to believe it. Mm. Amen. Amen. You cannot bring yourself to believe it. And so what I'm saying, what I'm saying, what you are staggering at is the promise, the, a promise God has given that it is too wild for you to believe. And that is what, instead of believing, you are actually going the opposite way because it seems like God is trying to trick you or God is saying something he's not going to give you. And so I think if you have a promise or if you know the promise, but you are struggling to believe the promise, at least you have a start. Mm -hmm. At least you know what the word of God says or what the promise is. But I don't think many believers, that's where we are. Many believers don't even know what the promise of the word is. We don't know what is being offered even to have the opportunity to believe it or not to believe. How many are tracking with me? I, I think preaching. part of our calling is that we have been invited to participate in the supernatural realm. We have been invited to participate in God's divine nature. 
so that we must include the promises of God as part of our psyche, as part of how our mind works. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Because when, when, you, when you have the promise of God at the back of your mind, it shapes the way you look at reality. What, some of them, may, you may be struggling with coming to full terms of what exactly or how exactly that is going to happen. But that is what we're talking about, that you are staggering at the promise. But what if you don't have any promise before you? You got nothing to stagger at. Mm. Amen. 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 The starting point for us is to find out what has God said? What promise has God given? What are the things in God's word regarding your life and regarding your situation? Have you cared or dared to find out? And sometimes you don't have to, well, not sometimes, all the time, you don't have to wait till a problem arises. Then begin to find out what the promise of the word of God is. If you cultivate a lifestyle of constantly reading the word, reading the word over and over again, and then constantly hearing the word, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. <coughs> and the hearing, it is a hearing of preaching, like I'm preaching to you, the message is going to be on podcast. Bishop preaches to us, even during the flow prayer meeting, he preaches to us on to, uh, um, um, Sunday mornings and then Sunday you go to church you hear preaching every time you hear preaching in between the words of the preaching there will be a promise somewhere hallelujah Amen. Amen. there will be a, a promise of deliverance somewhere but beyond the preaching I'm also inviting you to actually listen to the scriptures also like I've been telling you I've been listening to the scriptures being played Play the scriptures. If many of you have Bible as with Bible or the ability to play the scriptures. And so when you are playing the scriptures, you may not necessarily be looking for a promise, but as you are, some, some parts of the scripture is a narrative. It's, it's, it's narrating an account of someone's life. The people that walked with God. And you know from Romans 15 verse 4 that all that was written beforehand was written for our learning that we through the, to their life and the patience of the scriptures, we might have hope. So if you read or you hear something that has been written about a group of people who work with God, as you are hearing and hearing, it is shaping your worldview. It is shaping your psyche. It is shaping, it is building resilience in you. Are you listening to me? Yes. It is building the, the, what you call coping ability, your ability to look at reality from a different way. Two people will look at the same thing, but based on your worldview and where you're coming from, you react differently. And so, but, but then you see, none of us have reached 100% faith. Mm. What, none of us have reached, even the apostles that work with Jesus, it's one of the most puzzling things, Brother James. One of the most puzzling things that they actually walked with Jesus. They saw him walk on water. They saw him multiply bread to feed 5,000 in one instant, another time 4,000. They saw him open the blind eyes. In fact, Peter, in his case, actually not only saw Jesus walk on water, he also asked Jesus, can you, can you allow me to walk on water? And he, he took a few steps on water. I mean, Peter is very different from the other disciples because at least 
he tasted of the of the power of the world, powers of the world to come before the resurrection, Amen. before the Holy Spirit came. Now, that is a realm they were operating in. And in fact, in Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10, or maybe the flip, Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, one of the two, he sent them out to go and minister. And the Bible said they came back rejoicing, saying, we saw, we saw a lot of miracles. And Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan fall down from heaven. And Jesus said, but yet do not rejoice because the demons are listening to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They tasted of the miraculous power of God. However, after Christ was arrested, all their faith vanished. Mm. Like, it seemed like they forgot. And even after the resurrection, that they have seen the resurrected Jesus, on the first day that Christ rose from the dead, they saw him. But how many know that life went back to normal? Normal, in quote, unquote. You see, I used to say normal, quote, unquote, because the normal life for the Christian is for us to be walking and experiencing the promises of God on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Now, not doing that is like we have, we have downgraded our Christian experience to the level of our faithlessness. It's like we have lower the standard. Mm. It's like, you know, high jump, you know, um, back in school when we used to play doing high jump. Somebody would say, okay, lift it up. I'm going to, I'm going to jump. Okay, at this level, say, no, lift it up again. And then they'll lift it all the way up. But when he goes, he runs under it. So next time, in order to be able to jump it, you put it at the low level so that you can jump it. It's like you have set the bar so low so that it's easy to, to do it. Right. But God is calling us to higher ground. And the higher ground is going to need a growing. And this growing is going to start with us knowing what the word says and what the promises says. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I mean, we need to have promises in the word of God that challenge us. We need to have something that challenge. I mean, if you, you, you do any type of weightlifting, if every time you go, you lift something that looks looks like my thumb, I mean, don't go anymore. I mean, go and take your money from the from the uh, what do you call it the the, the, the gym people. I mean, that's your reference. Say, I, I'm not benefiting. I'm stopping. In order to to go to the next level, you need to challenge yourself and do something a little harder than what is easy on your flesh. Now we are saying the same thing talks about a Christian journey that that we need to know. Promises made in the word of God that are not being fulfilled in our lives. And yes, we can tell ourselves that we are no different than, um, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Peter and the rest. We are no different from them. In fact, after the resurrection, Peter said, I go fishing. It's like, I mean, this Jesus, after he rose from the dead, I mean, he used to be with us all the time. But after he rose from the dead, we don't know where he is. So I'm, I'm returning to my previous, uh, so, I say these things to encourage us, to yeah. encourage us as that the people that we read about in the Bible, they are no different from us. They're no different from us in terms of the general weakness of the human race, hallelujah. Yeah. But then also, you also see a people that were afraid, who were empowered and energized when the Holy Spirit came, hallelujah. Amen. And so that when we look at their weakness, when we look at their uh, failures, we shouldn't just rejoice and stay among where they fail. 
but rather we should look at their feats, we should look at their achievements, that these people also now look at the, 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 the promises of God and decided to, to pursue it. Hallelujah. Amen. So what it says, faith is to stagger not. The big question today is, what are you staggering at? He said he staggered not at the promise of God. Are there any promises you are looking at that you are staggering at? Or, or have you reached a point where unbelief has made you totally abandon the promises of God? That you are no more even believing God to meet your needs because of plastic. Plastic is now your, um, what do you call it? You are, you, 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 you are staggering at plastic. What I mean like credit card, because, because everything you need, whether you have money or not, you can charge it. So then that has become your provider. Do you get it? But in church, you sing the song, provider, rewarder, you sing that song, but you actually don't mean it. It's just a nice melody you are putting up. I mean, can we come to a place where how people say we are saving to buy something, but, but the same way, can we build up our faith that we are believing God to get this? I am believing God to get it. I don't have it today, but I'm believing God. Man. I mean, this type of language has vanished from the church because this world system has solutions, has materialistic, maybe that's not the word, human solutions for everything. So that you no longer need to believe the word of God. You don't know, you no longer need to have a promise from the scriptures to believe because there are solutions for everything. Mm. And when we do that, we have downgraded and degraded and diluted the Christian experience into what you call what I call a state of unbelieving believers. Mm. Are you listening to me, somebody? Yes, and so we are going to read some of the promises of God. That appears so fantastic, but it's in the word. So look at Isaiah 54 and verse 1 to 5. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse number 1 to 5. Bishop says, the Bible is full of many fantastic promises. If you read the book of Isaiah, you will see beautiful promises of God for his people. Amazing predictions of largeness. Some of these promises are so amazing that you could easily dismiss them as fairy tales. Mm. In the book of Isaiah, he tells the barren to sing a song. He predicts amazing blessings for the desolate. Take a look at it. So now, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more, listen to this, O, for, we are talking about promises that look actually, uh, what's the word? Outrageous, ridiculous, ludicrous. It looks like it looks like a, something that is out there that yeah. is it, 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 unreal. He said, you who have no labor with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. He's giving a promise. The one that thinks they are alone. He said, you're going to have more children than the one who has married. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. When you're going to enlarge the place of your tent, it's like you are going to have more people. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Then it goes on to say, do not spare, lengthen your courts. Now go back to two so I can finish. Lengthen your courts and strengthen your sticks. Continue. Verse three. 
for you shall expand to the right and to the left. This is a promise. It's a mm -hmm. promise to an individual and it's a promise to the nation. It's a promise to an individual and it's a promise to the corporate body. It's a promise to an individual and it's a promise to the church. So, so you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Man. For you will forget the shame of your youth. Amen. He's saying, God no go shame us. God no go shame us. But sometimes you look at your life, it's like disgrace is inevitable. Mm. Mm. It's like where I've reached, it's, it's, it's like there's nothing. You know, I think it was it last week, somebody was giving a testimony on the uh, about the flow prayer. And was talking about an exam she took. She either he or she, I've forgotten, but the, 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 he wasn't confident about the outcome of the exams. Right. It, it wasn't looking like he will pass. But amazingly, I think the pass mark was 50, 50%. And I think he had 51 or so. He says, for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will, and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Mm. Hallelujah. Add verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I will recommend to you some time and read Isaiah as especially after chapter 39 and up okay. from 39 to 66 you know amazingly MS is interesting Isaiah is a mysterious book you know it's a book that Jesus quoted from more than any other book in the Old Testament right mm -hmm. and Isaiah has 66 chapters and there's also 66 books in the Bible just like Isaiah has 66 chapters right and then all the chapters from 1 to 39 seems to be talking about the Old Testament just like we have 39 chapters in the Old Testament and 39 books in the Old Testament and then 27, um, what do you call it? Uh, 20, 27 chapter, uh, books in the New Testament. Isaiah also, the 20, last 27 chapters seems to be talking about the new covenant. It's amazing. It's mysterious. But of course, read the whole Bible. But I'm telling you, read Isaiah. You will hear. And, and the thing is, have you, heard, have you heard the expression that when you keep hearing a lie over and over again, you, you begin to believe it. Believe it. Yeah. 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 If, if that is true for a lie, then mm -hmm. it must be super true for the truth the of the word of God. Amen. 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 That the promise of God, if you keep hearing and hearing, it becomes ingrained in your psyche as part of your point of reference. So that yeah. it doesn't, it, it's no more, it, it becomes part of the economy of what is accessible to you or what you believe is accessible to you. So let's look at another passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, verse seven to nine. I'm just giving examples of wild promises from the word of God, which you and I can, 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 can claim for, for ourselves. Isaiah um, 66, and we are going to read from verse 7 to verse 9. You know, I, I believe it was Bishop Saki who, who said one way to understand it is to read it backwards. Mm. 
So let's try that. Let's read it. Interestingly, the passage seems to work well when you read it from verse 9 back to verse 7. So let's do that. Verse 9 and then 8 and 7. Listen to this. This is the Lord posing a question. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord. Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God. Let's go to verse 8. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Now pause here for a moment. The questions, questions that are being asked, you know, is, is like, a, especially the, the one that says, shall a nation be born at once? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? It's like a question, it's like a rhetorical question that has only one answer, right? It's like an impossible situation is being described. Can you see that? Right. Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? No, the earth doesn't give birth in one day. You cannot plant a crop and then it will yield a harvest in the same day. Have you right. seen that before? No. no. It's, it's describing an impossible situation. Then it says, shall a nation be born at once? A nation, do you know how long it takes for a nation? If you look at the genealogy in the, in the, in the um, Genesis, it will describe this one gave birth to that one, and then out of this one came this race of people. So groups of people descend from an ancestor or groups of ancestors. It takes a while for a nation to be formed. That's why sometimes it's not fair even to compare the nations in the modern continent of Africa and our rate of development. It is not fair to compare it with some of these nations like uh, America that has been, you know, have had a, 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 a democratic system since 1776. Are you listening? Yeah, because, because you see, keep in mind that before we were colonized, we had our own little nations. Now, in other words, we had different groups and a system of government. And then, and then after, after the influence of the West, we were everything was crumbled. And 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 then and then after the Second World War, they redrew the boundaries. Is that not so? Yeah. And so, if you talk about the modern nation of Ghana, for instance. Well, they call it the Gold Coast, but but in becoming a nation of its own identity, I mean, is it not uh, 19, 2000 and what? Uh, when was the 50th anniversary? I mean, it was, was it 2007 or so? Yeah. yeah. I'm, the point I'm making is that nations take a while to form, right? It takes a while to form. It takes a while for institutions Institutions to be grounded. So when it says shall not be born at once, it's a question that is begging for an answer. What answer is it begging to get? No. No, yeah. because it's an it's an it's not something that happens. Yeah, impossible. Exactly. <laughs> you see, that 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 then it says it says who has seen such things, who has heard such a thing. So it's trying to describe to you that what what. What God is going to do is not in the realm of possibility. My dear friend, my dear Christian, Christian friend, God is calling us to go beyond the realm of possibility. 
If all our Christian experience is based on possibility, then that's not faith. Because before you commit to something, you have already done the math. You know that, okay, I'm going to get this next month. I mean, you have done calculations, and that is what your faith is based on. I mean, remember the Christian donkey who came to that junction. Remember that Christian donkey who came to that junction and was looking for whether I should go to the right or go to the left. Do you get it? And it's okay. He had that, okay, you're supposed to pray and ask God. When he closed his eyes, he also remembered the verse that says, watch and pray. So open one eye like this. As he was praying, Lord, which one should I go? Which way should I go, left or right? And then the open eye saw a pole standing there with a jug of water and some grapes. <laughs> and he said, Lord, I'm waiting for an answer. I'm waiting for an answer. Oh, I know it. I have to go to the right. You see, the big question is, if he closed his eyes and didn't see, would he have heard? Would he have heard? Yeah. That's the way he should go. Yeah. Sometimes, right. sometimes we choose what is the easy way that will help our faith. That's what Abraham and Hagar yes. did. When they had... um. Um, uh, what do you call it? Abraham and, and Sarah, when they, they went for Ishmael, and went for yeah. uh, Hagar and Ishmael came because, because from the look of things, they had to find a shortcut. What I'm saying is that we, be, we need to begin to invite ourselves into impossible situations. One of the things that challenged me is when Abraham was asked to go and sacrifice his son, and he took him. And the son asked him a question, a million dollar question, MSUG, and one million dollar question. Mm. He said, Father, we have the wood, we have all the apparatus to do the sacrifice, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And without knowing that God was going to provide a lamb, right? Because if he knew that it was not faith, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. God will do what? Provide himself a lamp. You may think he just did that to deflect the boy's question. Like, you know how one uh, uh, one um young children, little children ask you uh, a question you don't want to answer. You give some type of fantastic answer to dodge the question. Like, where do babies come from? When your uh, four-year-old asks you that question. And you get <laughs> because you feel that they are not ready to, to, to know all the Elements of the dynamics and all that. Hey. Do you get it? So you might think that Abraham answered that way because he wanted. No, 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 no. If you read the Bible very well, in another passage, the Bible says Abraham believed that if he goes to sacrifice Isaac, he believed that God was also able to raise him from the dead. So Abraham actually literally was going to sacrifice Isaac until he was stopped. He was going to do it because the same God who has promised that you are going to be a father of many nations, that same God, how is it that, how is it that he's going to kill Isaac and leave him dead? Do you get it? Mm -hmm. So the reason why, brother uh, Ishmael, the reason why Isaac, uh, uh, Abraham was able to go all the way to almost sacrificing Isaac was he looked beyond, he looked beyond the soon to become dead situation. He looked beyond soon to become dead son, soon to become dead boy, that he's going to raise him from the dead and perhaps provide another thing for the sacrifice. That's what Abraham believed. Amen. And once he got there, God said, you know what? 
you've passed the test. I wouldn't let you, there, there will be no need. There will be no need to, for, me, for, for me to let you kill your son and then raise him from the dead. As a matter of fact, there's a lamb caught in the ticket. And then Abraham saw it. That what, what Abraham said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. It is like he saw it by the eyes of faith. He had not seen that lamb, but he saw it by the eyes of faith. And it materialized over there for him. And God said, you know what? If you are willing to sacrifice your son, not knowing what the outcome will be, but believing that I will be able to raise your son from the dead and make him even give birth to the son that's for you. If you can believe me without seeing, I would also give my son because of you to the world. Abraham, it was a spiritual transaction that took place, MSUJ, that when Abraham was willing to sacrifice, willing to sacrifice his son, God said, you have purchased for all of mankind, my son to be sacrificed for all. And that one is going to be a literal kill. But I know what I'm doing. I'm going to raise him from the dead. Mm. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. In other words, she didn't need epidural. It was <laughs> boom. It was very fast. Now let's go to verse 7. Who, verse 7, before she was in labor, she gave birth. So now, can you see how verse 9 appears to almost like, because it says that as soon as Israel or Zion was in labor, she gave birth. So that, mm. that is one level. Can we go back to verse 8? Go back to verse 8. The last part, for as soon as she was, Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So now look at the sequence of things. For as soon as Zion was in labor, so in this verse 8, she was in labor, was she not? But except yeah. that the child came very quickly. Is that not so? Right, yeah. Now go to verse 7. It is upping the ante. It's increasing the, the, the right. making it even look more fantastic. Yeah. This yeah. one, verse 7, said, before she was in labor. Can you see the difference? Yes. Mm -hmm. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. So he's saying that this is even preceding the labor. It is describing another fantastic situation. It's describing, it's like this childbirth is so easy, you won't even experience any pain. It's describing a situation where normally things take some time, but now God is now overruling. God, may God overrule certain natural sequences for you. Amen. Amen. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, that certain things that naturally it should be this way. Amen. Based on, maybe based on what you have done, this is what you deserve. Or maybe based on the natural course of things, this is what should one should expect. But God is showing us that the promises of God are supposed to trump, are supposed to trump obstacles and defy and defy what makes sense to the natural senses. We have been invited not to make sense of everything in the word of God. We have been invited to believe. We have been invited to believe what God has said, not just what makes sense. Because if we limit our Christian experience to what makes sense, then there is no difference between us and the unbeliever. Amen. God has invited us that there are promises to believe, promises that are so wild. And when it is not happening, it should put a lot of pressure on us. Not pressure as in as in anxiety, but it's like something more to, to reach out for. Something more to believe God for. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's look at another passage. We are reading the examples of promises of God in the Bible. 
All these are supposed to paint the image of God who is not limited to the natural order. I mean, all the miracles of Jesus, they, they make a statement. Jesus opened the eyes of the, of the blind man. He said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus walks on water because he's showing that he has power over the forces. He's able to storm the, I mean, silence the storm because he has power over the natural forces. These are supposed to speak to us so that our frame of reference should not be limited to how the bad circumstance is speaking so loud to us that God has been silenced. No, we should look at the promise of God and we should rather believe. And if we are struggling in our, own, in our belief, that's okay. But at least we must look at the promise. Ezekiel 37 and verse 3 to 7. Bishop says, many stagger at the promises of God. They limp away in disbelief when God wants to bless them. Bishop says, faith is your ability to not stagger. Faith is not to be destroyed by doubts. Faith is not to be what? Destroyed by doubts. You know one of the things we should avoid doing? Even if you are struggling to believe something God has said, I beg of you, Keep quiet. Don't say anything. Because sometimes your unbelief makes you pass a negative comment. Say something funny about the promise of God. When you do that, you actually reduce your state. You make things worse. Mm. If you've got no faith statement to say, if mm. you are struggling to believe the word of God regarding your situation, just look at it. Look at it like a beautiful girl you know you're not going to get. Oh. Have you seen one before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, preaching, have you seen preaching. the guy? Have you seen the guy who, what do you call it? After marrying three weeks later, he was telling his friends, man, man. why did I rush? As soon as oh. I married, now I'm seeing all the beautiful girls. You see, it's not wise to do that because you are just looking at it, you're not going to get. <laughs> yeah, preaching. Oh, 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 let's flip it. Let's flip it. I mean, this, this is not even the best. The best example is the other way around. Where you are single. Yes, yes, this is better. You are single, right? Yeah. You are single. And then you see somebody's wife that you are not going to get. And you are, just star you are staring at, at, at her. You are <laughs> not going to get her. You can see her made her decision. <laughs> what I'm saying is that... You can if watch. You, right if right you, right. you can watch. But don't say anything to her. <laughs> you can watch, but you cannot touch. I, but don't say, like, like the man who was in the, in the, in the trotro where he was staring at this guy and the Christian friend said, why are you staring? Are you lasting after her? He said, I'm not lasting after her. I'm admiring God's creation. Admiring nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's leave it to God to judge. What I'm saying is that if you got nothing good to say, the promise of God, as fantastic and what as it is, at least don't pass a negative statement. Now, before we read the scripture, let's keep it keep it up. I just want to tell you, something comes to mind about in the days of Elisha the prophet, when there was famine, remember that story? The famine was so bad that people started eating their children for food. That is how bad it was. And then the Lord through the prophet, Elisha prophesied that tomorrow by a certain time, there's going to be abundance of food. And then there was one guy who was one of the people that held the staff of the king. He didn't believe the promise. He didn't believe the promise. If you don't believe the promise, 
Zip your mouth. Don't say anything. But he made the mistake of opening his mouth. Do you know what he said, MS? Do you know what he said? <laughs> he said, this one, dear, how is it going to happen? He said, mm. even if, listen, oh, you see, he didn't even, he had the, what you call the audacity of bringing God even into his negative statement. He said, even if God should open the windows of heaven, how can wow. what you are saying come to pass? Wow. That there's going to be, when he said that, he was digging his own grave, literally. Because the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's why if you got nothing to say, just keep quiet. Zip it. The next day, when the promise came, when the four lepers discovered the, uh, the, the, the abundance of food, and the Bible said there was what? A stampede. There was a stampede. There was a, there, everybody was rushing to go and get the food. And this guy, who the day before said, this thing cannot happen, even if the windows of heaven is what uh, open, it cannot happen. The Bible says that they trampled, trampled over him and he died. Of course, these extreme situations don't always happen. And thank God for grace that if one little thing, one small thing that you say you're going to die, then it's going to be very scary. Like an Ananias and Safari situation. But the fact that you are not dying does not mean that everything is okay. In the same way that just because somebody gets a coronavirus and they don't die, does not mean it's okay. Because we are hearing stories, we are hearing stories of people, uh, 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 certain organs have been affected that their life is not the same. So that shouldn't be the only thing you are scared of. Are you, is somebody tracking with me? Yes. God may, God use some of these drastic and dramatic examples just to give you the extreme case so that we know the principle that he's trying to say so that we will warn ourselves. It does not mean everybody's going to die by saying the wrong thing. However, we should learn from it and not repeat that. Therefore, if you don't have anything good to say, just say, Lord, thou knowest, as we are going to discover in this passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, this is the Lord talking to Ezekiel. The term son of man was first used in Isaiah, I mean, in Ezekiel and in Daniel. And you see, Jesus took that upon himself. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? You see, he brought him to the valley of dry bones. And he's asking him, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord, God, oh, Lord, God, you know, clever, smart. Again, he said to me, professor to these bones and said to them, all dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. At verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I and as I prophesied, there was a what? A noise. And suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, just for you to understand, when you have bones that are dry. It means that it is dead people. People have died there for a long time. Do you get it? Yeah. I mean, raising raising uh, people from the dead who have been died a, a day or two is going to be very different if the, the flesh is actually rotting and the bones are not even fresh or has anything wet on it. It's completely dry. And one is not just one. It's a lot of them. And the Lord is asking 
is asking, uh, what's his name? Ezekiel, can these bones live? Mm. Ezekiel touched his heart. It's like checking your bank account. Like you see something, you see something on the uh, on the on the on the TV they are advertising, and they say it's thousand five hundred, and and you, you have you are learning not to use credit card. So okay, I think we need this in. But you check your bank account before you you do what you order, right? So Ezekiel check his bank account. He realized that his bank account for for faith was zero. Looking at the dry bone, there was nothing. How can these bones live? So he gave the smart answer. Lord, I don't know. You know. You know the answer. And the Lord said, the answer is going to happen, but you are involved in the answer. How are you involved? I am going to let you speak. So he said, I prophesied as I was commanded. <laughs> By the way, in case you think this is just abstract, the value of dry bones was the pro prophecy of God to Ezekiel that the scattering of the people of Israel in the land of Persia and Babylon that the nation has scattered and the nation has died and the institutions have come to nothing. He's giving this vision as a symbol of the fact that they are going to come back as a nation again. Yeah. That prophecy in Ezekiel connects to the scripture in Isaiah 66. That says, can a nation be born in one day? So the return of the people of Israel from Persia, from Babylon, it happened over a period, but you know, not everybody came. And then, this scattering happened again in uh, AD 70. After AD 70, they were scattered across the world. Even their language was what they missed up with the rest of the world. But by mysterious work of God, all the prophecies of God regarding the people of Israel, like gathering of sc scattered dry bones, he brought the modern nation of Israel again in 1948. And they had to literally reconstruct their language and how to write. Somebody had to reconstruct how to write it. So in a day, a nation was born. That Isaiah 66 scripture was fulfilled in our day, in this era in 1948. That is how miracle, it has never happened. There's no, that's why I said, can a nation be born one day? It happened for the nation of Israel. The scattering of the dry bones coming back to life and becoming a large army is the impossibility of impossibilities that God showed that is going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now these stories are not meant to entertain us. They are meant to feed our faith. I urge us all to read the scriptures and read everything. Read the scriptures because you don't know where something is going to be about your life. As you keep reading and listening, listening to preaching, you'll be feeding your spirit with the promises of God. And the more you do that, the more you do that, when you come to a situation where that thing applies, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. Mm -hmm. And that which people will stumble, stagger, and people would people would act like they got no hope. Suddenly, a certain spiritual resilience will come. In the midst of turmoil, you can still have peace because you look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Amen. Well, we thought we were going to finish today. We couldn't. So by the grace of God, we'll continue next week. Let us Amen. pray. Father, thank you for this message. We ask you to bless it. May we grow in faith 
and in pursuing your promises. Now, if you are here and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord or you need to be born again, you have never made that step. We invite you to give your life to Jesus. If you are backslidden because you have not been living like a believer, you've been living purely applying the goods and the services and the means of this life, and you need your faith to be renewed, you need to keep believing in God. You can join in. All of us can join in in this prayer. Pray after me. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my Savior. For planting the life of Christ. For planting the life of Christ. As a ransom for my sins. As a ransom for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe he was raised from the dead. For my justification. For my justification. May my life be filled with resurrection power. May my life be filled with resurrection power. May I walk every day in your promises. May I walk every day in your promises. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Beautiful. Let's 